I have a message that the Lord put on my heart um, that I want to entitle, Wasted Wilderness. Wasted Wilderness. I believe with, with all my heart that in order to experience the fullness that God has for you, you are going to have to go through seasons of wilderness, of tough times. One's wilderness experience can be relative because everybody has a different thing going on. It's very possible that with all the people that came and received prayer this morning, there may have not been any two identical. All had a different need coming to the, to the Lord. Everybody has a different uh, wilderness experience. Everybody has a different type of dry season. Everybody has a different type of challenge. God didn't make us from a cookie cutter machine. He individually made us with a specific DNA, a specific thumbprint, and a specific eye print. And the, and the list goes on about how uniquely each and every one of you are made. But I wonder, do you know that Father God has good plans for you? Are you aware of that? Even in all the turmoil and all the trouble, there may be some who are saying, and maybe even who are, are checking in online, you may be saying, well, where's God been in my situation? Why does it seem that he seems to be moving in so-and-so situation, but he is completely ignoring me? And you wonder, does God have good planned for you? There are so many good things that the Lord has stored up for each and every one of us. However, sometimes we are going to have to go through the storm. We're going to have to go through the trial. We're going to have to go through the wilderness in order to get to the good things that he has planned for us. In the Old Testament, there's a story about the children of Israel who were making an exodus from Egypt. They had to wander through the wilderness on a 40-day journey that took 40 years. 40 years. They had to wander through that wilderness in order to access the promise that God had for them. They had to endure, they had to encounter, and they had to endure their wilderness experience before God would even give them the good thing that He had promised. Why? Why didn't He just give it to them? Because He's a loving God. Well, I'm going to make a statement here in this message that I believe has the potential to, to create, provoke, invoke a certain amount of tension in our Christian thinking. That being said, I want you to know that there are some lessons that can only be learned in the wilderness. So here's my statement. It was God's will that the children of Israel wander for 40 years on a 40-day journey in the wilderness. And it may, in fact, be God's will that there'll be times that you and I will have to go have a wilderness experience as, as well. And I know that that pushes against some Christian thinking because we don't think God would do such a thing. Okay? Because we know, of course, Jeremiah 29, 11, the I only have good plans. I know the plans I have for you, and they're not plans of trouble or calamity. They're plans of peace and hope in the future that you've dreamed of. Right on? So we understand that to be a part of it. And yet we must understand that God will put us in certain positions 
Why? To test us? To humble us? Why? Because he's got something good for us on the other side of it. I suppose it's a good time not to say amen and to just be quiet and stare at me. I've been doing this a long time. This doesn't make me uncomfortable anymore. Um, God had to teach Israel some lessons. Hear me, beloved, that they could only learn in the wilderness. There are some lessons in life and in this journey as Christians that we will only learn in the wilderness. That's not pleasant, is it? Why should I have to go through the wilderness to learn a lesson? There are some good things that God has in store for us that can only be accessed by making it through to the other side of your desert, through to the other side of your trial, through to the other side of your wilderness, whatever that may be. There are good things that God has in store for you that you can only acquire based on how you traverse your trouble, based on how you travel through your turmoil. All of us, this is, this is for every one of us. So that kind of begs the question, what are you doing with your wilderness experience? Are you mumbling and grumbling and moaning and whining? Are you getting angry? Are you getting frustrated? Are you getting bitter? Are you thinking of turning against God? Are you considering that your faith is no good because you're going through a trial? It really does beg the question from us, how are you traversing through your trouble. Now, I can speak to this message based on the experience of October 2020, okay? This is not a message that just, uh, uh, you know, I, I sat in my office and went, what could I preach today? No. My family's had a serious wilderness in the month of October, okay? I'll just list a couple things, okay? Uh, started off, of course, uh, I've I fell and in my office. My chair broke, and I got a concussion and a whiplash. And uh, I'm still dealing with uh, some of the headaches and stuff that come from that. And I was in the hospital. For, you know, it, was, it certainly happened. And, and so then, subsequent to that, I got coronavirus. And I was really, really sick. So while I was on uh, vacation, yeah, yeah, that was... I think you all owe me another vacation, just saying. <laughs> I really do. You know, so I'm on vacation, and I, I have a whiplash. I have a uh, 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 concussion. And I said to Diane one day, I said, man, my, my skin, oh, there's like a band of skin around my torso is burning, and it hurts. I can't even handle my skin. To, and I ended up with shingles. So uh, now I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, okay, I, I can preach this message with some authority. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had a concussion and, uh, and a whiplash and got coronavirus and, and got shingles and and then we'd cut our vacation short because mom got sick with coronavirus and five days later passed away. Okay. It's one of the reasons that Diane and I know this is a real deal. 
It's not, again, we don't walk in fear. We have faith, right on? We don't, we don't panic. We pray. We don't, we don't worry. We worship. But yet I've lived it, and I know um, just how quickly it can you know, fight and beat against you. And then Diane got sick, and boy, she was so sick. Bless her heart. She kept telling me, I've never been this sick in all my life. And, and of course, now both of us were sick, and mom passed away. And I mean, it was just, how many know that that's, um, it's pretty dry in that desert, all right? Then I had to shut the church down and, um, because we had a few other people that uh, contracted coronavirus to, to put your minds at ease. No one, to my knowledge, uh, got coronavirus here. They actually got it and were in other places and were able to prove that to be so. And it's been my goal, one of the reasons that I'm walking through some of the safety precautions that we're doing, to make sure that Res Life doesn't become breeding ground for coronavirus. Amen? Because I want to protect the reputation of Jesus Christ and the reputation and the good name of Resurrection Life Church. Can I get a witness from somebody? So that being said, I, I, I know what it's like to be in the wilderness, and I know that uh, it, for me personally, when I'm sick for an extended period of time, what happens is you, you first start be, by being physically down, and then after that goes on for an extended period of time, then you begin to get emotionally down. This is just how the process goes. And then after you're physically down and you're emotionally down, then you get spiritually down. Okay? So if you just reverse that for a minute, the more you stay spiritually up, the more you will stay emotionally up, which I, see, I believe will also help you stay more physically up. Are you hearing me? So, you know, I'm not standing up here as the pastor who's got all this figured out and, and I'm looking down on you, the little people, and, and so forth. No, no, man, we're a family. I know what, okay, I will never forget October 2020, but it still begs the question, what am I, what are you doing with your wilderness? I had every opportunity, and Diane has had every opportunity over the course of the entire month of October to do nothing but sit around and bellyache and pull the curtains and just not talk to anybody. But no, what are you doing with your wilderness experience? Are you taking advantage of it, or are you wasting it? Because we're all going to have wilderness experiences, trials and troubles. What are you doing with them? Are you taking advantage of them, recognizing that it's very possible, actually more than likely, that God has you there because he knows that it's only right there that you will learn the lesson that you need to learn in order for him to give you the good thing that he has promised for you? I know that still kind of beats against the tension of our religious thinking, but give me a few moments to bring it together. And I want to say to you today, don't waste your wilderness. So if you're still feeling a tension about me saying that the wilderness experience was God's will for the Israelites, then I need you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we'll let the Word of God speak for itself on this subject we're going to find here, and we're going to see that God led them into the wilderness in order to humble and test them. We don't like that idea or that side of God. 
And we've gotten so far in the ditch of the grace message that we forget that God is still a God to be feared. I didn't say afraid of. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let me read, uh, I'm going to read the whole chapter and I'll try to hurry along as much as I can. Normally our service is over at 12.10, but there's no way I'm doing this message in 10 minutes. Jonathan, you just took too long with praise and worship. What's the matter with you? (laughs) Now listen up, starting with verse 1, all the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you. So he he immediately gives an explanation. I led you in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because I needed to humble you and I needed to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live but by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now I want to just, uh, for the sake of time, I want to move down to verse, uh, verses 15 and 16. You guys can read this chapter on your own. I think you should. Verse, now check it out, verse 15 and 16. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness. Uh, hello, has anybody ever had a trial that you went, this has been a great and terrible trial? I will look back on October 2020 and remember that it was a great and terrible 30 days. Okay? But I still beg the question, What am am I doing with this wilderness? Because according to Scripture, God's got something good for me on the other side of it. Mm. So here's where you're going to see that in verse 15 and 16. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground, (coughs) excuse me, where there is no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness he fed you manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you, check it out, to do good for you in the end. When is the last time that you looked at your trial or your test or your wilderness as though God was up to something in your life? I I dare say not many of us have looked at those moments as though God might be up to something in my life. We just think of, well, you know, bad things happen to good people. It's just happening because Satan is the God of this world, and I know all that stuff's true, but we give Satan way too much credit, okay? And sometimes we go through stupid stuff because we do stupid stuff, Uh, right? I'm not going to look over there. <laughs> but maybe, maybe it's just possible that you're in the stuff you're in because God is up to something in your life. Maybe that could change your perspective on the trouble you're in 
right now. So the Lord, He needed to humble them. Oh, I know that no one from Resurrection Life Church needs to be humbled in any way, shape, or manner. Certainly, I don't need to be humbled because I'm the pastor. I got no clue what was said in the back, but I bet it was good. We all have those moments, right, where we need to be humbled, and, and, and he needed to test them. And how does one get humbled? The best way to get humbled, honest to goodness, is to go through a trial, to go through a wilderness experience. You, you immediately, what you figure out in that setting, you ain't in control. What you figure out in that wilderness setting, I can't fix this. What you figure out in that wilderness setting is that you ain't all that in a bag of chips too. What you realize in that wilderness setting is that only God can help you through it. Therefore, what happens to be humbled is that you now become less dependent upon self and more dependent upon God. Oh, beloved, I can't tell you how dependent Diane and I have had to be on God in the month of October. Not once did we ever say, why are you doing this? Where are you at? I'm a tither. You shouldn't be doing this. Michael, am I creating enough tension in the room? or Is, there, is everything okay? Just a little bit okay or a little bit of tension? <laughs> You see, it's when you go through the trouble, it's when you go through the difficulty that you realize you aren't powerful enough to fix your situation, and you have to depend upon a power that's greater than yourself, and we choose to, we choose to call that higher power Jehovah God Almighty, amen? Because there are things only He can take you through. But we try hard to fix it ourselves, or to run to somebody else to have them help, them, help us fix it, not thinking, God, are you doing something in my life? Or, or, or are you about to bless me based on how I, I, I get through this? Hmm. Now, the Apostle Paul, he had a similar experience with trouble. If you turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians. Can you turn over there, 2 Corinthians? In Verses 7 through 10, we've all heard about, you know, the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. It says, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations for this reason to, check it out, to keep me from exalting myself. That's what it says. Apparently, Paul occasionally got a little heady. Got to thinking about himself as a little too smart. Because it says right there, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, he knew so much for this reason to keep me from getting big-headed, from, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, <coughs> excuse me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Sound a little familiar? Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, I will rather boast in, about my weaknesses so that the power may dwell in me. 
goes on to verse 10, therefore I'm well content with weakness. I'm well content with insults. I'm well content with distresses. I'm, I'm well content with persecutions. I'm well content with difficulties for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So the Apostle Paul had to go through a wilderness experience. Paul asked the Lord three times, would you take this from me? And God said, Paul, hey, my power is going to be perfected in you because of your trouble, because of your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. It'll be all right. How did Paul go through this trouble? Well, what, he, what, what did he do to not waste his wilderness experience? He pulled himself up by his bootstraps and he said, I'm going to rather boast in my weakness because I know that in my weakness my God is made strong. You see, he chose to look at his wilderness, his trouble, his trial, in the perspective of what is God doing in my life, not why is God doing this? Why is he against me? He's for you. He's for me. <clears throat> he has nothing but good plans for you and me. That's still true. That means that although he may be leading me into a wilderness situation, he still has good planned for me, but I may not be able or qualified to access that good thing if I give up in my wilderness. Hmm. Same thing happened to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8. Father God took them through a wilderness experience. Says right in the scripture, he said it, I took you there because I needed to humble you, I needed to test you, and they needed to be put in a position where they could only be dependent upon him. You see, the Lord never tests us with evil. We know that that's true. That's the enemy that does that, or it's our own flesh that does that. But he will test us to see if, in fact, our hearts are totally given to him. Scripture shows that we're going to read it in James chapter 1 here in just a moment. What I'm trying to impart to you today is don't squander your wilderness experience. If you're going through a dark time, why not look to God in that dark time and say, Lord, help me get through this dark time because, I, Lord, I'm pretty sure you're trying to teach me something here. And, Lord, I, can't, I don't want to be dependent upon myself. Lord, I, I want to be dependent upon you. I need you to help me through this dark time because I know, God, you've got good plans for me, and I know, Lord, that if I get through this situation, you have nothing but good set up for me in the end. It's really not the way a lot of us handle our trials, is it? Our persecutions, our trouble. He works to the good of those who love him. And it's easy to praise him and to be joyful and to be happy when everything's peaches and cream. It's easy to be joyful and to be happy and to feel completely connected to God when we're all in the house of the Lord, lifting our hands together and worshiping the Lord. But what, what about late in the night when you're all alone in the dark and depression settles in on you? Or the terror in your mind settles in on you? What about those moments? Can you be content in the Lord in those moments as you are in the other moments? He's going to get you through to the other side. That you have to remember. He is with you. He's not just standing. He's not, okay, let's stay with me, cameraman. Over here is the good he's got planned for me. 
okay? He's not going to just stand over here and go, come on. I got good stuff over here for you. Okay, so just keep the image here. God's standing here, okay? And then here I am over here on this side, and I got trouble. God, I can't, I can't hear you. I can't see you. Lord, I need you. I, I can only depend upon you. I can't do this. Guess where God's at? Boom. Right here at my side, guess what he's doing? Walking with me through my wilderness, taking me to the good thing that he's got planned for me. Can I get a witness from somebody in the house of God? You're not alone in the wilderness. You feel alone in the wilderness. And quite frankly, I think that's on purpose. He wants to know what's in your heart. Turn with me to James. Let's look at one scripture. We're doing pretty good. I'm trying not to be too clock-oriented, but I value you, you all's time. I get one opportunity on a Sunday to speak to all of you, so I'm not going to rush it if that's okay with you all. James chapter 4, uh, excuse me, James chapter 1, you're thinking, well, pastor, that's an Old Testament scripture. God doesn't do that anymore. He quit doing that after Jesus came. I'm under grace now, so I don't ever have to deal with that stuff that they dealt with in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Hmm. James chapter 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who were dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. <laughs> Consider it joy? I'm going through... October was bad! That's right, Rick. Just consider it a joyful occasion. Say what? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Okay? God does test us. I didn't say he tempts us. He does not tempt us. But he does test us to see that our faith is strong. And that faith that is strong must produce an endurance. Why? Because I guess I got to walk through this wilderness now. Okay? It's easy for me to sit back and go, dear God, I mean, I preach for you every week. I, I minister to the people of God almost every day, including my day off, Lord. Uh, why am I having to have such a mess from October 1 to October 30? Actually, it happened, started in September 20th. So I'm even madder. <laughs> James is saying that if you're in the middle of a trial right now, don't waste it. Don't blow it. Don't complain. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. Don't turn against God. Don't consider turning away from your faith. Why? Because God is going to do something powerful in your life. Why did the children of Israel walk across the desert? Because God told them there was a promised land. He had a promise for them. 
on the other side. My Bible is chock full of promises for me and for you, but many of those promises, even though they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, even though they've all already been fulfilled and are secured through Christ Jesus, I may still have to traverse the travail. I may still have to wander the wilderness. I may still have to be tried by the test before I can get them. And so may you. What are you doing with your wilderness experience? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. We find in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that the Lord actually disciplined them as a father would discipline his children. Why? Because he had something powerful for them, but he had to get them into a specific mindset and heart set and faith set before they could get to it. The same is true for us. God may at times have to discipline us, and there's no discipline that is good. How many of you moms and dads, you've given your children some discipline and you went, it hurts me more than it hurts you. And your kids are like, yeah, get over my knee. (laughs) But why are you doing it? Because you have nothing but good intent for your kids. And you want to bless them and you want to train them up in such a way so that they can have better in life than you had in life. You have good for them on the other side of it. And it's the same principle in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to just read again 15 and 16. I'll be done in a minute. Chicken can wait. He led you through that great and terrible wilderness. Can I help you with something, brothers and sisters? God was with Diane and I every step of the way. And we knew that he was. We never once accused him of abandoning us. And it was a great and terrible month. And it goes on to say, in which fiery serpents and scorpions. Well, I guess I should be thankful I didn't have any snakes and scorpions in my house. And thirsty land where there was no water, but I sure have felt dry and thirsty. Many of you, Diane will, and, and I will attest to how you cared for us and brought food to us and sent cards to us, and the family of God could be so felt in that, and that strengthened us as well. And yet none of you knew everything that your pastors were going through. I'm not complaining, y'all. I'm just God's using my experience to bring this message to you today. Goes on to say, I brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did know, not know. Why did you do all this, God, that I might humble you and that I might test you, he says. Why? Why, God, did you need to humble me and test me? Because I got good for you on the other side. I'm so thankful that you're happy about that and that you're praising and worshiping the Lord. Either that or I'm boring you or I've completely captivated your attention. I'm not sure what it is. If we're going to receive the fullness that God has for us, we must go through the wilderness seasons faithfully. 
we're still in a wilderness season as a nation. We're all experiencing it. Listen, there's so much angst about what's going to happen this next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, December, January 2021. Come on. The nation's in a wilderness. Will the nation recognize that God is with them and he has good for them on the other side? Hmm. But James said to rejoice when you're in that trouble. What's that mean? Be happy. Be content. Don't complain. Don't whine. Don't moan. Don't grumble. Be happy. Put a supernatural smile on your face. I'll be honest with you, there was a number of times in October when people asked me how I was doing. It was awful hard to say I'm doing supernaturally. Has anybody ever been? You all been there, okay? You need to know your pastor goes through stuff too, and that's okay. I've asked the question many times, God, we've done everything under our power to make sure that nobody in our church gets coronavirus, and I'm first in line. What's up with that? (laughs) He had to take me through that wilderness to know how to lead you through that wilderness. He had to take me through that so I could learn the lessons of it, so I could sympathize and empathize and be with you if it ever happened to you all. And I rejoice and I thank him. I don't thank him. We don't rejoice because he brought the trial. We rejoice in the trial. We worship in the trial, right, Chuck? That's what we do. We praise God even in the midst of the trouble. Let me get to the end of this thing. Yeah, this is a good jumping point. If you're in a trial right now, then you just need to start confessing God's word over your situation. Um, don't confess discouragement, don't confess discontent, don't confess defeat, don't grumble, don't complain. Instead, confess what God's Word says. That's what He told the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, you need to depend upon My Word, not, not on bread, not on uh, physical stuff, because He said, you're gonna, everything that proceeds from the mouth of God is what you need to depend upon, and you and I must rely on His Word that is forever settled in heaven, amen, that is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And here I go with my normal cliché. Keep your nose in the book. Why? Because it's Pastor Rick's hobby horse? No. Because I recognize the more I'm in the Word, the stronger I learn, the stronger I am through my trouble, and the more I learn about being dependent upon what thus saith the Lord, because there's bad negative news coming from every direction in our life. And I dare say... There's many of us in this room that hear more from Fox News, CNN, or whatever than from the Holy Bible. Forgive me if I'm skeptical. But I wonder, have you spent more time here than any other avenue that's an input into your senses? 
Is it greater here than anywhere else? It must be, beloved, it must be. You need to realize that God is with you in your wilderness. He's with you in your trouble. He's with you wherever you're at right now. In whatever trouble you may be in right now, no matter how difficult the trial may be, no matter how dark the situation may be for you, let me say this. He is with you. Don't ever doubt it. It's easy to know that He's with you when everything's great. As I said, it's easy to know that He's with you when we're all in here raising our hands and worshiping the Lord. But He wants you to know. He wants me to know. He wants Diane to know that I am with you. The Lord says, I am with you even in this trouble, even in this wilderness, and especially now, I am with you. Psalm 139.7, as I get ready to close, verse 10, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I can't go anywhere that he's not there. I don't have any trouble to go through that he's not with me. I got no dark trial to have to face that he's not right there at my side the whole time, if not right in front of me, leading me the way, holding my hand, pulling me along. Psalm 23, 4, the psalmist David said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or as other translations would say, the shadow of death, even even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. The only thing that made it help Diane and I make it through this season was first and foremost our faith in a God who was with us every step of the way. And secondly, a church family that we knew we could depend on and pull on who loved us and we loved them. Thank you on behalf of Diane and I. In Closing, I know a lot of preachers have five closings, but this is my last one. Don't waste your wilderness. Don't waste it. Start confessing even more than before. Jesus loves me. He loves me. Start confessing even more than before. He's doing something good in me right now. He's forming me. He's molding me. He's humbling me. He's testing me, but he's doing it for my own good. He has a blessing for me. On, I have a victory. I have something powerful from my heavenly Father on the other side of this mess. Woo-hoo! Don't waste it. He's, he does have a good purpose for you in life. What if you looked at your trouble, your trial, your wilderness through the lens of God is preparing me so he can do good for me in the end? What if you looked through the lens of your trouble and your trial and your wilderness? What if your, 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 your place of balance, the place your entire perspective was based on God is doing something good in me because he's got something good planned for me? What if you faced your trial with that perspective in your heart and in your mind? 
Deuteronomy 8, 15, 16, he led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Are you all getting this? Are you hearing me? God is preparing you because he's about to bless you. If you can believe that and you can receive it, would you, for crying out loud, give the Lord a praise in the house of God. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? And I don't know what trouble you're in or what trouble you're going through. But I know that there are many here today who needed to hear this message. God had to walk me through a wilderness experience to have this message. It's often been said you can't have a testimony if you don't pass the test. You can't have a message if you don't make it through your mess. And you can't have a ministry if you haven't experienced the misery. But God has nothing but good plans for you. So I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through. But I know this. God does. God knows. He's with you every step of the way. You are never, ever, ever alone. Many I can sense it in my spirit right now. There are some in this room right now, you have felt so alone. Am I ever going to get a break? Are the cards ever going to fall in my favor? And I want you to know God is with you. And he's about to do good for you. He is preparing you because he's about to bless you. But are you wasting your wilderness? Now, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed... This is between you and God and me. I should be the only one looking around right now. If you feel like you're in the midst of a wilderness, I want you to raise your hand because I want to mark your face in my heart and mind so that I can pray for you this week. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, yep. I see you. Yes, I see you back there. I see you there, over here. See you there. God bless you. Dozen or more, dozen or more. Yes, I'm in dark. I'm in, I'm in deep stuff right now. I need help. You needed this message today, because the Lord says, "I know the plans that I have for you, and they are plans. They are not plans of trouble. They're not plans of calamity, or confusion, or chaos. 
their plans of blessing, their plans of good, their plans for the future that you've always dreamed of. God is saying, this is the plan that I have for you, but he's also teaching us today, teaching you today, you got to get through your wilderness to get to the good thing. Don't waste your wilderness. Father, I pray for each of these today that raise their hands. And Father, you know, you know our hearts, you know our stuff, and and as I say this, I'm not saying anything, Father, that you don't know, but Lord, you know that in, when we're in the deep, dark mess, we feel all alone. And we, I, on the behalf of the, each of us that raised our hand, I repent, Lord, and say, forgive us, Lord, for doubting you. Forgive us, Lord, for wondering where you're at. Forgive us, Lord, for, for accusing you of doing harm to us. But help us to rejoice in our trouble and to recognize that you are with us and that you're doing nothing but good for us. In Jesus' name, and all the church said, amen. Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Stand with me as I send you out blessed today. It's 1230. I know I went a little bit uh, over what I would like to have in this particular service. Uh, Our first service, when we come back to that, I didn't say if, you heard that, right? When we come back to it, That's a 70-minute service, but I really do have this 11 o'clock service planned to be about a 90-minute service, but I want to bless you today. Thousands of years ago, God spoke to Aaron and spoke to Moses, and he said, I want you to speak these words over my people, and as you do it, I'm going to put my name on them, and I'm going to bless them. And this blessing comes from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 27. And it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace and strengthen you. I pray that you are strengthened in the love and the peace of our Lord God Almighty. I call you blessed. Have an awesome week. And we'll see you on Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a good day.